We're going to talk about that tonight. Thank you for that uh, kind introduction, Josh. Is the volume okay? Can you guys hear me all right? Too loud? Too good? Got a thumbs up from Alex. Timmy's confused, but uh, that's okay. Hey, uh, for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Hunter, and uh, I want to share a little bit about my life with you. Um, I love sports. Some of these guys I balled out with football over the weekend. That was a lot of fun. My team lost, but that's okay. Uh, it was still a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I, another thing about me, I tend to like cats better than dogs. Yeah, mixed, mixed review there. Not always, not always, but like uh, cats are less messy. They, they don't slobber on you, and they're really kind, and they're not annoying. They don't bark. Um, another thing, I prefer my burgers without cheese. And if that wasn't enough, I don't like mac and cheese either. Or coffee. Yeah, someone knows me. Woo! Y'all are like, who, who is this guy? Um, so I might, I might have some unpopular opinions, uh, as you guys can attest to. But I think one thing you guys may agree with me on is that goodbyes can be pretty hard sometimes. Um, I'm sure all of us here have gone through the process of saying goodbye to someone or something. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a loved one who passed away. Maybe it's a, a dear friend who had to move states away or, or to another country, perhaps. Uh, maybe it's your, your dear dog or cat, as I mentioned. Those, those can be tough goodbyes. I'm, I'm going to give you that. Um, but th these, these things happen to us. And um, for me, one of those goodbyes was actually during a, a great time in my life. Um, two summers ago, I got married um, to... Julia, uh, good-looking girl over there. She's mine, so uh, dudes, find someone else. Um, and so it was, it was a great time to, to be getting ready to enter into marriage, but at the same time, um, my father and my stepmother were in the process of separating and getting a divorce. Um, and this was my father's second marriage. And, and, and through their, their marriage, I um, had gained two step-siblings who I'd grown to love deeply over the course of the, the seven to eight years that um, my dad and my former stepmom were together. Um, and so the, the way that things came to be, I, I knew that, that once my wedding had passed, I would not be seeing my step-siblings anymore. And so I had to say goodbye to my stepbrother and my stepsister um, on the day of our wedding. And it was, it was a really tough time. Maybe, maybe you guys have, have experienced something similar. Maybe you've had to say goodbye to a special place, whether it was a former home or just some place that has precious memories to you. Um, Julia and I had to, had to say goodbye to Charlottesville over the summer, and um, we, were, we were super excited to, to come here to the Berg, and, and we're loving it, but, but we had friends that we had to say goodbye to in Charlottesville, some of whom came tonight, which is really cool. I uh, love you guys. And, um, but but we, still, we still felt the cost of what it was to leave a place that, that we called our second home. Um, and and so, so I'm not saying that all these goodbyes are necessarily a bad thing. As I mentioned, Julia and I came here, Timmy threw up his hands, it looked like someone threw up their hands, like what? Um, as I mentioned, we're, we're glad to be here. Um, we love JMU, we love you guys, we love this campus, and we wouldn't change anything about it, except for that 
dog food smell on an overcast or rainy days. Those of you know what I'm talking about this morning, yeah, we'd, we could do without that dog food smell. Um, many of you have just said goodbye to home for the first time. For some of you, that was a hard thing to do. Maybe you felt a little bit of homesickness at time or you're missing your, your parents or your friends from back home. Others of you are loving absolutely every minute of it and you're like, dude, I wish this would have come way sooner, years earlier. Um, I think saying goodbye um, to your home has, has been good for you because you've had an opportunity to come here and make new friends. You've, you've had an opportunity to come here, meet new people, to expand yourself, learn new things, and to try to figure out what in the world you're going to do with the rest of your lives. Um, I know I'm, uh, I'm glad I figured that out during college, but uh, some of you are wondering why I'm going on about goodbyes. Well, let me tell you, um, in the context of tonight's message, it comes at a time when Jesus is getting ready to say goodbye to the world and to his disciples. With each passing chapter as we've been in the Gospel of John, the cross is quickly approaching. And at this point in the Gospel of John, Jesus begins to give his disciples some final instructions. You know, if you guys have, have had a goodbye or farewell to someone, you've, you've probably thought about that moment in advance and thought about what you would do. You probably thought about what you would say because you would want to make that time count. And Jesus is surely going to do that with his disciples, as we will see. And so our, our guest speaker, Michelle, last week talked about how Jesus is the good shepherd who will lay down his life for the sheep. And tonight, our message will, will show us that Jesus is the humble, suffering servant who will suffer for the cleansing of all. And he will show his disciples and us how to love one another. So if you guys have your Bibles with me, turn to John chapter 13. Um, we'll, we'll also have the verses up on the screens here, but if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open that up. All right, so, so John 13, starting in verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Okay, so brief pause. This first verse tells us three things. Um, first, it tells us that this is, is a special time for the Jewish people. It's a, it's a time of Passover where they are commemorating their, their freedom from slavery and bondage in Egypt. Um, God did some miraculous things in order to um, free them from their, their oppressors, the Egyptians. And um, this is a time once a year where, where the, um, the Israelites, the Jewish people, would come to remember what God has done for them. The second thing this verse tells us is that Jesus knows his time in this world is coming to a close. And there's a lot of stuff that's going to go down in these next few hours. Um, it's not going to be easy for Jesus nor his disciples. But this verse reminds us that Jesus is fully aware of what's coming. He's not caught off guard in the slightest bit. The third thing this verse tells us is that Jesus loved his own to the end. And biblical scholars say that, that, that this phrase, loving his own to the end, has two meanings here. It's not just that Jesus loved them to the end of his life, which he did, but it, it also um, gives the understanding that he loved his disciples to the furthest extent imaginable. Um, he loved his, his disciples fully. And his, his crucifixion on the cross is going to be proof of his love to the fullest extent. 
Let's keep reading here. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So it's important to know here that Judas Iscariot is a trusted and beloved disciple of Jesus. He's, he's not some random guy here, but he's, he's someone who has been with Jesus over these past few years and has grown close to him. But with influence from the devil, Judas will soon betray Jesus and hand him over to be arrested. John reminds the readers, and he reminds us, that although the devil will lead one of Ju- Jesus' disciples, Judas, to betray him, Jesus still has all power and authority. And he knows that this painful betrayal is just part of the plan for salvation. And instead of Jesus using his power to stop Judas from betraying him or to escape all of the trials that will come in the hours ahead, Jesus chooses to display the power of his love. Reading in verse 4. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not now realize, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. All right, so pause right there. What in the world is going on here? Maybe you guys have read this passage before. Maybe it's brand new and you're like, this Jesus dude is kind of creepy, but uh, he's not creepy at all. He's loving here. And um, you see, in, in this context, in this cultural context in in the Middle East, um, in this time, it was common when coming into a person's home and sharing a meal with them, it was common for the host to have someone wash their guest's feet. And so um, Jesus and his disciples are gathered here for a meal together. It's a very intimate time. And normally before the meal, there would be a servant or even sometimes a person like a slave who would wash the guest's feet. But for whatever reason, the meal has already begun. No one has washed anyone's feet. And so Jesus gets up here and begins to wash his disciples' feet. Jesus takes this position himself, and and this reminds us that our first takeaway for the night is that if we are going to love others like Jesus has, we must not concern ourselves with the opinion or approval of others. See, Jesus wasn't concerned about just bearing the image of a servant He gives himself completely to the role. And if we are to love others like Jesus, we must not be people who do so for show. Our chief motivation in serving and loving others must not be to make ourselves feel good, but rather to make them feel loved. And the goal should not be to get approval from others, but to give glory to God. Now, this, this kind of act is, as Jesus is washing the disciples' feet would have been absolutely shocking to them. To, to see their leader, their teacher, their mentor himself in such a lowly position, that that a slave would normally have, would have been completely unexpected and shocking. And we can see this in Peter's response here. Lord, are you going to wash my feet? 
Now, I used to think that this was a really dumb question for Peter to ask, if I'm being honest. Like, of course he's going to wash your feet, Peter. What do you think? He's just going to skip you? You saw him wash him and him? Like, he's, he's not going to skip you. And you think he's going to be like, nah, your feet are way too dirty, man. Is that, is that a fungus right there? Like, nah. But, but Jesus would wash them anyways. He's, he's not concerned about that. And um, after reading up on this text a little bit more, I've realized it wasn't a stupid question at all. You see, the tone with which Peter asked this question was one where he was frustrated or perhaps annoyed because this act seemed unfair. Peter is the only one of the disciples who speaks up, but the rest of the disciples along with him know that Jesus should not be the one washing their feet. It should be the other way around. And I believe that they all would have gladly washed Jesus' feet in this moment. And the issue, however is that they wouldn't be willing to wash one another's feet. You see, if, if they would have washed one another's feet, it would have placed them below one another in rank. And, and the disciples were too concerned with their status and with their ego uh, that they would not be willing to humble themselves before one another or to love one another as Jesus has. Um, and Jesus' love goes so much further. Luke's gospel shows that prior to this meal, the disciples had been arguing with one another about who is the greatest among them. Like, obviously the answer is Jesus, but maybe they're arguing over who's second best. John would probably say he is because he calls himself the beloved disciple, but that's for another day. Um, and so the disciples need a lesson on love and humility. And that is exactly what Jesus is going to do here. And he's going to do this in a way that points to the cross, which is the ultimate demonstration of his love. He tells Peter he doesn't realize what Jesus is doing here because he's doing so much more than just cleaning their feet. But Peter objects, telling him, Lord, you shall never wash my feet. This sounds like someone in need of, of humility, right? Well, well, we'll keep going. Peter, uh, or Jesus answers, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then Peter, still not exactly understanding what is going on and still perhaps a little bit too prideful, then thinks it's a good idea to tell Jesus what to do once again. He says, then Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my, feet is, but my, hands and my head as well. At first he's telling Jesus, no, you can't wash me, you're doing too much. Now he's essentially telling Jesus that, that what he wants to do for him is not enough. Like, geez, chill, dude. Let, just shut up and let Jesus do his thing. Um, now, I know that it can seem like I'm being hard on Peter. Um, so let me just take a moment to say that, that I can relate to him. And I think we all can. Do we not think we know better than God does sometimes? Are there not areas of our lives that, that we need to change that God kind of reminds us of? And, and we tell him, no, it's, it's not that big of a deal. I'll, I'll take care of that later. Let me, ha let me have my fun now. Let me just do me. How often do we look for security or encouragement, or place our identity in something or someone other than God. Here's one that's easily relatable. We may think we need the love of another person to complete us, but I, I can tell you only God is capable of a love that deep, a love that perfect, and a love that personal. Thank you. Thank you, man. Uh, so can we agree to try and be a people who accept God's love as it is, perfect, unconditional, and complete? Instead of trying to make his idea of love fit our image of it, we need to let God do what he does best, and that's to love us in a way that changes us from the inside out. And speaking of this love, this is a central idea of this message tonight. And Jesus is, is not only going to model it, but he's going to 
command it of his disciples and to us. Jesus then goes on to tell Peter, those who have had a bath only need to wash their feet, for their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said, not everyone was clean. Now, we have every reason to believe that Jesus washed Judas's feet. So Jesus wasn't talking about Judas's feet still being dirty or unclean, but rather he's talking about Judas's treacherous heart. Now, picture this with me. Someone in this room is going to betray you and hand you over to be killed later tonight. Well, like, what would you do about that? What Jesus does is he decides to wash him, his feet. That's crazy. Like, like PK's shirt over there. See that, see that shirt? That's, that's crazy. Um, like, you, you would not do that. That is absolutely crazy, but, but this is the radical, I'm so glad he, he wore that shirt today, uh, that was not planned, but this, uh, this is the radical love of our Savior. And so our, our second takeaway tonight is that if we are to love people like Jesus does, we must be willing to love those who are hard to love. Jesus washed Judas' feet and he gave him a special place at the table. Judas, Judas handed him over to be killed in return. That does not seem fair, and you'd be right to say that because it's not. Um, but genuine love doesn't care about what's fair because it's not self-seeking. Jesus died the death that you and I deserve, and that is not fair at all, but it's love. And if we are to love people like Jesus does, we must be willing to love those who are hard to love. You must be willing to love that roommate or that, that housemate of yours or just that person that drives you absolutely crazy. Maybe it's your mom sometimes too, but uh, you must be willing to love someone who has hurt you or wronged you because love covers a multitude of sins. Um, maybe you know someone close to you who's, who's living a, a double life. They're, they're saying one thing and doing the complete opposite of that. Now, Judas isn't the only one who's hard to love here. He's not the only one who's about to forsake Jesus. In fact, in a few hours, Jesus and his disciples would find themselves in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. And throughout this final week of Jesus's life, they're, they're going to this garden, they're praying. Um, and, and so this is a place that they were familiar with. It's why Judas knew where to take the mob to arrest Jesus. And um, they would find themselves in this garden for one last time. And um, Jesus' disciples, these, these very feet that Jesus himself cleaned and washed would be the same feet that would soon abandon him once the mob came and arrested Jesus. But Jesus loved them regardless. He loved them to the end. And we must be willing to love people who are hard to love. Let's keep reading here. In verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So Jesus has, has set an example for his disciples and for us 
of how to love one another. As I mentioned earlier, the disciples would have gladly washed his feet in an instance. If they had a second chance, they would have all raced at his feet and probably saw who got there first. Um, But the problem is they weren't willing to wash one another's feet. But Jesus now tells them they must wash one another's feet. We don't think that, that Jesus meant this in a, in a literal or physical way um, because they probably would have then started to wash one another's feet if that's what he meant. Um, but rather, what he was telling them is, is they must be willing to humble themselves and genuinely love one another without concern about their, their social standing or their status or their ego. And now we're, we're going to skip ahead um, to verse 31, but, but what, what follows next is um, Jesus starts talking about his departure. And he tells the disciples, one of you is going to betray me. And he knows who that is, but he doesn't explicitly mention it. Um, and then, then he kind of alludes to the fact that it might be Judas, but the s- disciples just don't understand what's going on, which is kind of common throughout the Gospels. And, um, and so Judas leaves the, the room. He leaves and he goes to get the mob to arrest Jesus. And um, the disciples are just sitting there wondering what has happened. And, and they don't know what Judas is up to, but Jesus does. And so picking up in verse 31, when he was gone, that he is Judas. When Judas was gone, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I will tell you now. Where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, Jesus begins to directly inform his disciples that he's leaving. And this would have been absolutely shocking to the disciples as well as as they expect Jesus to establish this this physical kingdom here and now. um, They they don't imagine Jesus leaving them anytime at all. So this news would have been really alarming and concerning for them. Jesus is returning to the Father in heaven by means of the cross. And this foot washing event has symbolically been pointing to the cross the whole time. All right, check this out. While Jesus has washed their feet, his will soon be pierced for them. He takes off his garments now to wash their feet. He will later be stripped of them and beaten and crucified. For the moment, the disciples will be cleaned temporarily by the water. But in a few hours, they will be washed forever clean by Jesus's blood. And after cleansing the disciples, Jesus returned to his seat at the table amongst the disciples. But after the cross, he would soon return to his seat by the Father in heaven. All throughout this event, Jesus has been pointing to the cross. And now for anyone not familiar, the cross was one of the most shameful and horrible ways for someone to die. And I'm not going to go into all the imagery and details of that, but um, it, the pain was so excru- was so. Uh, immense that they uh, invented a new word to describe it, and it is excruciating. That is where that word comes from, um, with the cross in mind. And in in light of the cross, our, our third takeaway for tonight is that if we are to love people as Jesus does, we must love one another with a sacrificial love. We must learn how to love people and not expect anything in return, because if we expect something in return, that is what we would call 
conditional love. The gospel writer Luke records how Jesus instructed the disciples to lend their goods or give to those who can never return the favor. And in fact, Jesus said that, that anyone can, can give to someone and, and expect something in return, but it takes a special person to be able to give to someone and not expect anything in return. Genuine love, the way Jesus demonstrates, is not self-focused. It is others-focused. And so... I want to talk about what this looks like, um, because loving people the way Jesus calls us to might cause us some pain. It may require us to take risks or require us to do something bold or shocking. Um, I, I can think towards the end of my first year of college, um, I was sitting in a truck with two of my close friends in a Bojangles parking lot. Uh, another thing about me is I love Bojangles, uh, especially chicken biscuits. So I uh, had one this morning, so you know it was a good day. And um, if you haven't been, try it. Anyways, enough about that. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting here in this truck in a Bojangles parking lot with two of my close friends, and we're just talking about life, catching up, and I feel that, that God is telling me and pressing upon me to ask one of them if he had been struggling with pornography. And I was like, no, I don't want to ask him that. <laughs> what in the world? And, and I, I genuinely was like, is, is this God telling me to do that? And, and I believed that it was because I had no reason to suspect my friend to be doing that. And, and the conversation we were having had absolutely nothing to do with that. I had never talked with my friend about this type of situation before, but I felt God just, just still telling me to, to ask him about this. And so, um, you know, I, I said, hey, man, I kind of blurted out at one point, uh, I have no reason to expect this, but I feel like God wanted me to ask you if you've been struggling with pornography. And, um, you know, a few seconds passed by, and he dropped his head, and, you know, he told the truth. He said, yes, this, this is true. I, I've been struggling with this for a while, and I I really need help. Whew, thank the Lord that was right. That was a word from him. But, um, like, like that, was, that was an uncomfortable situation to be in. Like, uh, I could have risked our friendship. We were, we were bros. I wasn't really risking it. But it was still an uncomfortable situation. And this, this kind of love required trust. And it required me to step outside of my comfort zone. That was, this conversation did not help him nor myself feel good, um, but it was so necessary to have that conversation. And um, just that, that small step of obedience and faith began a process of him working through and battling this sin. And I, I'm, I'm pleased to, to say that he doesn't struggle with this anymore. And I'm, I'm so thankful that God gave us that interaction. Though it was hard, though it was difficult and uncomfortable and unexpected, it was necessary. And, and God used it to heal him. Uh, I think of another story of Alex Rodriguez, not the baseball player, but uh, there's another Alex Rodriguez who uh, is the national training director of Chi Alpha and a uh, phenomenal speaker and guy, a lover of Jesus. But he shared this story about two of his friends in Chi Alpha. Um, and so these two guys were at a party on a weekend. And um, one of them was a core group leader in Chi Alpha. He was just there. And another guy was going really hard and... Uh, he was definitely intoxicated and about to pass out, and he thought it'd be a great idea to drive home drunk. And this wasn't just like a short trip around the block. Like I think Alex described it as like a 20 to 30 minute drive. And so this dude was absolutely wasted. And um, he, he tried to go to his truck to drive himself home. And his friend, the, the core group leader in Chi Alpha, said, no, I, I'm not going to let you drive home. You're, you're going to die if you do that. 
And um, the, the, the intoxicated individual just kept refusing. He said, no, I want to drive myself home. And things just began to escalate. And then all of a sudden, the, the core group leader in Chi Alpha punches his friend in the face. And the drunk guy just hits the floor and passes out, probably from the force of that blow, but also alcohol probably had part to do with that. And, um, you know, the, the core group leader, Alex's friend, he had no idea what to do, like, just a reaction, but um, he, he got his help from, from a couple other friends, and they, they picked up their friend who was passed out, um, drove him home in his truck, and um, they, they placed him down on the couch or a chair, and, and they hid his key so that when he came to, he wouldn't try to, to drive away or do anything else foolish. And um, as their friend who was passed out later came to, um, he, he said to the guy who punched them, I hate you, and I want nothing to do with you. I will never, ever forgive you for this. But the friend who punched him replied, well, I'd rather have you hate me and be alive than for you to be dead and for me to hate myself for not stopping you. And th- this, is, this is the kind of crazy love that, that Jesus calls us to. And I'm not saying go out decking people out here on campus and say, yeah, Jesus loves you, but... Um, <laughs> Well, what I'm saying is that this, this radical kind of love may require you to take risks. It might not always make others feel good. That punch to the dome certainly couldn't have felt good. Um, but just because it doesn't feel good doesn't mean that it, it's not accomplishing good. You know what I'm saying? Um, there's more examples I can give. Um, I, I know that perhaps this could look like washing a friend's dirty dishes. Uh, I lived with a lot of guys in college, uh, some of whom are in this room right now. Uh, you know who you are. And uh, when you're living with seven, eight guys in a house, there are just dishes that don't get washed, that don't get claimed. We're all guilty of that. Um, but there are a number of times where I would just wash those dishes. Um, I wish I could tell you that I didn't complain or grumble or, or was frustrated, but I'd be lying if I said that. Uh, there were definitely a couple times where plates were broken, and I'd, it was mostly an accident, but uh, maybe one was on purpose. We'll see. Um, but but I, could, I can remember what it was like when, when Austin or, or Timmy or someone like that would, would come in and help me wash the dishes together. Um, maybe this is what it could look like for you. Maybe it's, it's bringing a meal to a friend who is studying all night in a library and, and doesn't feel the desire for food or even just wants to take the time. Casey said, that's me. Yeah, maybe you don't want to take the time to take a study break, but maybe it's a, it's a friend bringing a candy bar or a, a full meal to someone in need. Um, maybe it's, it's sacrificing something of yours like your pride or your money, your time, something to serve someone else. Um, just a couple more stories, and I'll close here. But I think about how in my second year of college, I went through an unexpected breakup. And um, I was just in a bad place, and uh, it was really hard. And so I called my, my core group leader in Chi Alpha. His name was Christian. I was like, hey, man. Um, actually, this was before the breakup, but I knew it was coming later that day. So it was like this real awkward place to be in as I'm like waiting for that to happen. And uh, yeah, not a good place to be. That was right after chem lab too. So that was just a tough day. Um, And so I was not in a good place. And I called Christian. I said, hey man, like I'm in a bad place. Can you come and, and, and talk with me? And he said, well, I just got to my class, but 
I can make up this work later. I can make up this class the rest of the week. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come and, and sit with you and talk with you. And he did. And, and I met him at his apartment, and he, he drove his bike across campus and uh, met me. And he just sat with me. He listened to me. He then prayed with me and encouraged me. And as I went out that door, um, I just felt so loved and so valued. Um, there was a guy in my core group a couple years ago who his mother passed away unexpectedly um, from cancer and was very young. And, and he texted me or called me, I don't remember which, but I just remember dropping everything that I was doing to go and be with him. And I was not qualified to counsel someone in that situation. I, I didn't know how to empathize. I had, both of my parents are still alive, thank the Lord, but I didn't know how to counsel someone with, with such grief and, and such um, hardship. But I knew that there would be value with just my presence being there for this guy. I knew that if I could just go, and I don't even have to have the right words, I can just listen and be with him and keep him company, and that that would make a difference. And so that maybe that's an example for you guys to follow. Um, with all those things in mind, I, I don't think that it's possible for us to love people this way unless we have first accepted the extravagant and sacrificial love that Jesus has to offer us individually. Because you see, we, we cannot give anything that we have not first received. It just doesn't work. We have to receive something before we can give it to someone else. And so if we're going to follow this command of Jesus to love one another as he has loved us, we have to first receive that. Um, so I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward and just play some soft spiritual music. Uh, I'd love for all of you guys to just bow your heads and, and close your eyes. Um, as the worship team comes forward. Worship team, you can keep your eyes open. But if the rest of you will just bow your heads and um, close your eyes, I just want to ask a few questions here. You know, if there is, if there is someone in this room tonight who has not yet received this love from Jesus, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Uh, I think of how when Jesus went to wash Peter's feet, Peter at first said no. And Jesus wanted to wash his feet. And, and the thing is, Jesus loves you and he wants to wash you clean too, but he's not going to force that upon you. Jesus wants, to, wants this to be a decision that we make for ourselves. And, and though he has so great love that is waiting in store for each and every one of us, um, he's, he, he's, he's not going to force that upon us. And so if you're here tonight and, and you've been hearing about this sacrificial, overwhelming love of Jesus, and you have not yet allowed him to give you this love or, or to cleanse you, um, I, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this quote here first. Pastor Tim Keller says, The cross is not simply a lovely example of sacrificial love. Throwing your life away needlessly is not admirable. It is wrong. Jesus' death was only a good example if it was more than an example. If it was something absolutely necessary to rescue us. 
and it was. Why did Jesus have to die in order to forgive us? There was a debt to be paid, and God himself paid it. There was a penalty to be born, and God himself bore it. Forgiveness is always a form of costly suffering. And the love that Jesus poured out on the cross was, was not a pretty sight by any means. Jesus suffered in many ways, physically and emotionally, as, as bearing the sin for the entire world was no easy task. And he was abandoned by the ones he loved the most in his greatest time of need. Yet he loved them to the end. And so if there is anyone here tonight who, who just needs to accept this love, who, who needs to accept this this cleansing that, that Jesus has to offer you, I would just like for you to raise your hand. If there's anyone in this, this room here tonight, um, yes, thank you. Is, is there anyone else? You know, maybe, maybe you've, you've let Jesus start to wash your feet, but you've, you've, you've pulled your feet back away in fear. Maybe you have just run away like, like Judas did, but but Jesus is giving you an opportunity now. Is there, is there anyone else here who wants to let Jesus? Yes, I see that hand. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Now, uh, I want to pray with you guys. Uh, I want to pray for you guys, but I also want to give everyone an opportunity to pray. Um, and so you guys can go ahead and, and open your eyes. You can put your hands down. Um, I want to read this last verse to you, and then I want us to take a step forward in responding to this love. One of my, my favorite verses in all of Scripture is John 13, 35. It's, it's the last passage, or last part of this passage. And Jesus says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And in my time in college, we had these events um, called Dive Deep, where we had baptisms, and before baptism, students got to give testimonies of, of what God was doing in their life. And I, I cannot tell you how many students I heard testify saying something along the lines of, God's love was first made known to me by this person in my core group or that person. It was, it was the guys or the girls in my core group who, who first revealed to me the love of the Father. And that is what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to be people who, by our love for one another, reveals his love in a profound but tangible and real way. And so, you know, I know over the past couple of days, there have been a couple uh, individuals who have been speaking some, some hateful things uh, in the name of Jesus around campus. Maybe you guys saw them, uh, maybe you heard them, or your friends did. And, um, you know, Jesus doesn't want us to love people in that way. And my hope is that if, if we love one another in such a tangible way that, that when these, these speakers come and they speak these lies or this condemnation over individuals, I'm hoping that these people who walk by will say, no, that's not true. I know that God loves me because of the way that Evie has showed me. I know that, that God has loved me because of the way um, that Miles has shown me, because of the way that Hannah has shown me. You know, each of us have this opportunity to let our actions speak louder than their words. You know, can we be people who, who through our actions show the love of Jesus that will ring louder than the most hateful or, 
or most deceitful word. I think we can do that. And I think that, that if we are to do that to our neighbors, to the people that we're living with, to the people in our classrooms, to the people in our other organizations, to the people we pass by each and every day, I think we will see a change on campus. And so what I want to ask you guys to do uh, in response, you know, as Jesus was washing his disciples' feet, he would have knelt before each and every one of them and had this, this intimate moment of cleansing their feet. And so I, I would like to ask for all of you to just to kneel with me um, as the worship team. You can, you can just leave your chairs. It's, it's okay. This floor is somewhat comfortable. Um, thank you, guys. And um, as the worship team plays this last song, um, I, I don't want you to, to, to sing along as they do, but as they play, but I want you to take this time and pray to the Father. I want you to ask him, Lord, who is it that you want me to love? Who's, whose feet do you want me to wash this week? You know, maybe it's, maybe it's someone you're living with. Maybe it's someone you see on a daily basis. Maybe it's a friend from back home. Maybe it's someone who has hurt you. Maybe it's someone who um, you need to forgive. Maybe it's someone who you need forgiveness from. Maybe it's a, a relative, a loved one. I just want you, as the, as the worship team plays and sings this last song, to just ask God who it is he would have you to love and how to do that. Um, so we'll just go ahead and pray to ourselves and then I'll come back in a few moments to close. <laughs>